Welcome back, my fellow creatives, to Story Cuppings, where we this fall have been enjoying some sips from various indie authors I have come to know over these many years of blogging. I say many like it's been a long time, but you know what, Consarna, it has been a long time. It's been over five years. It's been, wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> it's been it's been quite a few posts. Um, and it's just been such an honor to get to know so many other kindred spirits who love to tell stories, be it through poetry or prose or photography or art, and to share their art. For let's face it, storytelling is an art. To share their art with the world. And I am just so very thankful that I have been able to enjoy their art. And now I can share their art with you. Today, today, we are sharing a fascinating little book <laughs> called Picky Eaters by S.J. Higby. Now, Sarah has been an indie author for a number of years, and she's done a lot of sci-fi and speculative fiction. And uh, I, I was tempted to feature one of her um, sci-fi stories, her young adult sci-fi stories, but then I thought, no. Sarah wrote Picky Eaters as uh, a way to work through the pandemic back in 2020 as a way to help because all proceeds from those who purchase the story of Picky Eaters, it goes to mental health charities. And in 2021, as Sarah herself has documented on her blog, then she herself came, uh, was diagnosed with COVID and has been on that up and down road of recovery uh, when it comes to dealing with long-term COVID. And I know it has been a struggle to, it is a struggle for many whose energies, whose bodies, whose mindsets have been so utterly transformed by this pandemic. And so I really wanted to share picky eaters with you. Not just because it's, it is a delightful premise, which I'll share in a minute, but because there are so many who desperately need help to cope. And I hope you will support Sarah's initiative to help others cope. And that you'll check out picky eaters and get a copy for yourself to bring a smile to your day and to help someone else find a way to smile again. Now the story Picky Eaters itself 
is just, oh, it's such a fun premise. <laughs> Picky eaters, imagine the dysfunction that can happen when a grandparent babysits very precocious children. Now that is a, an everyday situation many of us as readers and writers can understand. But what Sarah did here is that she takes out the assumed species <laughs> of the family per se. And we are dealing with a family of dragons. So we have a cantankerous grandpa dragon and he's trying to keep an eye on the two bratty dragons, <laughs> little dragon guys, uh, in the midst of family hijinks and misadventures and what have you. I feel like this is something, even with folks who may not always be keen on fantasy, those readers could fully appreciate the struggles <laughs> of very different generations being stuck together for a big period of time. Let's Let's take a look at the first part of the story, Picky Eaters, by S.J. Higby. Part one. He came to with a sudden awareness that he must have dozed off, which was happening more often these days. Still, no harm done. He stretched and yawned, choosing to ignore the patter of dirt falling from his crusted scales. Only as he started to curl up, ready to turn the nap into a proper mid-morning snooze, did he recall he was supposed to be babysitting his pesky grandchildren. Where'd they got to? Once he located the youngsters huddled in the corner, he decided Billy Bob and Sammy Joe were up to something. So he tip-taloned across the cavern before whispering, What are you doing? in Billy Bob's ear. The small dragon shot straight into the air with a shrill squeal while his sister crouched lower over whatever it was in the gloom, gobbling it up in a couple of hurried gulps. An irritated wisp of smoke leaked from his nostrils. And why are you eating between meals? <laughs> she mumbled, still chewing. The delicious whiff of a meaty something didn't improve his temper. If you'd eaten all your breakfast, you wouldn't be wanting something now. Sorry, Granddad, Billy Bob whimpered, his wings drooping submissively. But young Sammy Joe was made of sterner stuff. Her wings remained neatly folded across her back as she announced, Didn't like breakfast! <laughs> oh my goodness, and there was my phone. That's, that's my children right there. It's, it, it's like... It's, it's as if Sarah was able to visit and go, oh, look, there's Biff and Bash. Time to put him in a story. <laughs> um, no, uh, so here we have in this first page, she is not blatant about, hey, there's the dragon and this dragon, dragon, dragon. She doesn't get in our face about how these are a different species. She just mentions very casually in the first paragraph on how you know, he was going to get ready to snooze. Um, and he ignored the patter of dirt falling from his crusted scales. So that's a great, and, and granted, yes, the cover of the book has a dragon on it. 
But I like on how she didn't feel the need to be once there was a family of dragons and feel like she has to explain what's going on. We're just in the moment. And so by not wasting time, we are able to jump right into the relationship that is at, involved here between grandfather and grandchildren. Because that's what this story is focused on. It's it's their interactions, whether it's at conflict or not. So I appreciate on how we are able to jump right in. And we don't have to have a ton of world building in the moment. We just know by the end of the page that these two grandkids are kind of snoot. Well, one's kind of snotty. <laughs> the other one's kind of is the tag along. And the grandfather just wants to be able to sleep and not have to watch them. Okay, I think we can all relate to that. Impudent little piece. Why, when he was a dragonette, if he'd spoken to a lord so insolently, he'd have been walking around with singed scales for a month. Smoke now was trickling steadily from his nostrils as he growled. And what does like have to do with anything? Answer that one. There's sub-Saharan dragons who'd give their wings for a tasty morsel like the one I picked out for you. They can have it then, Sammy Joe said sulkily. It tasted funny. The rank ingratitude! His temper flared and a gout of flame belched out of his mouth with his roar. Rawr! She dodged his fiery blast with, with ease. You can't singe us, Granddad. It's not allowed. Sammy Joe stretched her neck in an unmistakably female way. If we've been bad, we have to sit on the naughty crag and think about what we've done wrong and how to make amends. He regarded her with smoldering annoyance. You sound just like your grandmother. I want mummy, wailed Billy Bob, an acrid smell of damp charcoal settling around the dragonette. Ew. I'm just going to take a an assumption. Well, kid peed. <laughs> Sorry. Again, working with little ones, they're just going to do that. And yeah, I, I am getting so many flashbacks here. <laughs> Oh, just making me very thankful. My children are not this young anymore. Though granted, I still have the, I don't want to eat that. That tastes funny. I still get that. My children are almost all double digits and I'll still get the, that tastes funny. That looks burnt. And it's like, okay, then we just don't eat. That's not really relevant here. I just, I guess my point is, Sarah's writing is extremely relatable to readers. <laughs> it's very relatable. Um, okay. So let's get back to it. Sammy Joe wrapped a foreleg around the howling infant. Shh, Bills. Mummy will be here soon. Flashing a baleful glare at him, she added. She won't like it that you made Billy Bob cry. And she said we didn't have to eat any of your tinned food if we didn't want to. So there. Oh, mommy, what nice din-dins. Oh, 
Dindins. Oh, I can't. Okay. He raised his voice over Billy Bob's piercing squeals. Your precious mother didn't think to bring anything with her, I notice. That's true. Folks are going to be picky about what you give their kids, and they should be bringing their own food. Okay. My, my, my own parenting. Oh, my goodness. I got to calm myself down. Okay. Sammy Joe's answer was on the insufferable side of smug. Mommy didn't have to. Billy Bob and me hunt for ourselves. That's right, sniveled Billy Bob, starting to cheer up. He, he snorted, all set to be contemptuously amused. Oh, yes? And when did you go off hunting, then? When you fell asleep, after you ate up all the breakfast. I did not fall asleep, as you put it, miss. He was uncomfortably aware that if Sammy Joe presented his teeny power nap in such terms to his daughter, she would probably have far too much to say in that bossy, trumpeting bugle of hers. I merely closed my eyes to meditate. It's what dragon lords do once they reach a, reach a certain age. Tin food is yucky! He almost preferred Billy Bob's howling to his perky cheekiness. Almost. Meanwhile, Sammy Joe was in full flow. Mummy says it isn't natural to shut the food up in a can. It should be fresh and free range. That's what Mummy tells us. Then we'll grow up big and healthy. Well, that just goes to show how much your mother knows then, he snapped, because my tin food is so fresh and free range it climbs right to the top of my mountain. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I've heard these arguments as a parent. Oh, man. Okay. But there's a little world building hint in here because, granted, we now that we know we're dealing with dragons, it's like, okay, well, obviously they're not talking about canned peas. Okay. But then we are wondering about, well, are uh, uh, the, the dragons have can openers? What's going on? And we're kind of left. We're, we're working things out. What the quote-unquote tinned food could be. And the fact that it climbs to the top of the Dragon Lord's mountain. So the food is alive that is tinned. Okay. But but what is it? And, and we are kind of guessing. I mean, let's face it. You know, we're thinking if it's a fantasy period, we're dealing maybe in older days and older days of yore type stuff. So let's see who's dressed in metal. Knights, maybe don't know. Don't know for sure. That's a possibility. So, but, but Sarah's not going to broadcast it. She's not going to lay it all out for us. We have to work it out as readers. And I think that's important. She shouldn't have to. And that that's the case for any writer. You shouldn't have to spell everything out. And I think that's, uh, it's one of those things. I, I know some writers have their thoughts on that show versus show, not tell, or sometimes you have to tell instead of show. And, and everybody's got their different take on it. I, for one, think, yeah, there's, there's going to be a need for exposition at some point. But often 
it's not necessary. And this is a good example of that. It's like we really don't have to be told blatantly, like, those knights that come up the mountain. No, we don't have to be told that. And I, I could be wrong about that. We have to find out. But I don't like how people feel like they have to spell absolutely everything out. And that leaves nothing for the reader to discern or infer. Because I feel like that's that's not giving the reader enough credit. And so as picky readers, we should want to have stories that make us think. Stories that get us wondering. Like I, It's one of the reasons why I love reading mysteries so much. Do I ever figure them out correctly? No. <laughs> I don't. I've been reading them since I was in single digits and I still am wrong every time. And yet I still love reading them because they have me thinking. They have me wondering. They have me looking for clues. And I love that. Here, Sarah's giving us clues, but she's not spelled it out yet. So let's see if we get some more clues coming up. Sammy Joe put her head to one side. Why? He knew exactly why those tin-suited would-be murderers regularly struggled up to his lair and attacked him, forcing him to eventually flame them. But he wasn't prepared to share the whole grim story with little Missy here. Because they want to be eaten. The lie sounded unconvincing, even to him. Yep. Ours don't. Billy Bob boasted. Our food runned away and we knock them buff over there. Go, go, go and wiggly, wiggly on the ground and they squealed like this. And the dragonette squirmed around the floor making bleeding yells. Sammy Joe giggled as she watched her small brother making those wailing noises which sounded like <gasps> dot dot dot. I love a good ellipsis. Okay. A dreadful thought occurred to him. This food of yours, where did you get it? The food we caught lives in those boxes sprouting in the valley. We don't have food growing like that at Wyvern Crag. Up there, it's mostly birds and mountain goats. But here, your food moves slowly and, and stays near the boxes. And mostly, it was, one, it was too big for us, so we chose two littlest ones. His granddaughter half-closed her eyes and remembered bliss. Mmm, so juicy. He hadn't felt so afraid. Uh -oh. Okay, we, we, we got to pause right there. So here we are. We know this is a dragon lord. This is a dragon lord that, as we now know for sure, knights regularly travel to sea to try to kill him. And he just kills them. <laughs> and yet, what these two little grand dragons have done has him afraid and yet it doesn't sound like what could they have killed and so now the fact he's scared says whatever went down in sammy joe's little narrative there is serious let's find out he hadn't felt so afraid since the day his mate deserted him two centuries earlier rushing to the entrance of his lair he looked down the mountainside the food was upset all right They'd bunched together in a large crowd and were funneling up the road towards the mountain. His mountain. Over the years, a dragon lord learns many useful things. He'd learnt to instantly count to 39 during his 721-year-old life. 
And why 39? Because in his prime, that was the maximum number of these creatures he could kill in one go. Looking down the mountain, he realized that there were a lot more than 39 food items marching toward his airy, variously armed with nasty-looking implements. If he'd been alone, he would have faced the whole flock of them, gone out fighting as befitted an old warrior lord. But now, the children in his care. That wasn't an option. Snarling a foul curse that had Sammy Jo widening her eyes and murmuring how Mummy didn't like naughty words, he grabbed Billy Bob in a gnarled claw and turned to Sammy Jo. Fly! We're headed toward Wyvern Peak to find you a naughty crag. Swinging out over the sheer drop, he extended his tattered wings. Where you pesky lizards can sit till you figure out how to recover my lair. And that's the end of part one. Oh, there's a lot of fun here, and I really do hope you pick up Picky Eaters, my fellow picky readers and working writers, to enjoy this unique spin on family misadventures. And just the, the moments that even that show just even when family drives us crazy we still do anything to protect them. I mean, that he could have just tossed his the little dra grand dragons out and just been done with it. No. He was scared. Scared for them. Sure, and himself, but mainly for them. And off they go. Because he knew that dying like a warrior was not an option when you are a protector of the young. So I really, yes, I really hope you take a look at this. The, the voice is fun, even if you don't use voices like I do. The, the, the voice of the narrator is, is fun for the storytelling and the little pokes at the modern parenting. <laughs> <laughs> quips and phrases and idioms and things is just it's a delight and so I hope you are able to take some time to check this book out check Sarah out I mean her other books are wonderful please check her out and just keep exploring all those marvelous flavors of indie fiction that are out there so until next time Share on, read on, and write on, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>